Day 29. The Story of Two Sisters Who Were Jealous of Their Younger Sister, Part 4. The bird described the place to find the golden water, which was not very far away, and the princess filled a small silver flask. She then returned to the cage and said, Bird, there is still something else. Where shall I find the singing tree? Behind you, in that wood, replied the bird. Break off a twig and plant it in your garden, and it will take root and grow into a magnificent tree. When the princess held in her hands the three wonders, she said to the bird, All that is not enough. It was owing to you that my brothers became black stones. Please point them out to me, I beg you. It is very difficult, replied the bird. However, I will do my best, he went on. There is a pitcher standing near. Take it, and, as you go down the mountain, scatter a little of the water it contains over every black stone, and you will soon find your two brothers. Princess returned down the mountainside. At every black stone, she stopped and sprinkled it with water, and as the water touched it, the stone instantly became a man. When she suddenly saw her brothers before her, her delight was mixed with astonishment. The knights who stood by declared themselves her slaves, and ready to carry out her wishes, but the princess explained that she wished for no company but that of her brothers, and that the rest were free to go where they would. Then the princess and the princes mounted their horses and rode away, followed by the knights. It had been the intention of the party to stop and tell their adventures to the dervish, but they found to their sorrow that he was dead. Whether from old age or whether from the feeling that his task was done, they never knew. As they continued their road, their numbers grew daily smaller, for the knights turned off one by one to their own homes, and only the brothers and sister finally drew up at the gate of the palace. The princess carried the cage straight into the garden, and, as soon as the bird began to sing, all sorts of other birds mingled, their voices in chorus. She planted the branch in a corner near the house, and in a few days it had grown into a great tree. As for the golden water, it was poured into a great marble basin, and it swelled and bubbled, and then shot up into the air in a fountain twenty feet high. The fame of these wonders soon spread abroad, and people came from far and near to see and admire. After a few days, Prince Bauman and Prince Purvis fell back into their ordinary way of life and passed most of their time hunting. One day, the Sultan of Persia was also hunting in the same direction, and not wishing to interfere with his sport, the young men, on hearing the noise of the hunt approaching, prepared to retire. But they turned in to the very path down which the Sultan was coming. The Sultan looked at them for a few moments without speaking. Then he asked who they were, 
and where they lived. Sire, replied Prince Bahman, we are sons of your highness late intendant of the gardens, and we live in a house that he built before his death, waiting an occasion to serve your highness. You seem fond of hunting, said the sultan. Sire, replied Prince Bahman, it is our usual exercise. The sultan said at once, Come, choose what sort of beasts you would like to hunt. Then Prince Purvis pursued a lion and Prince Bahman a bear. The sultan was satisfied with them and then gave them a warm invitation to stay with him altogether. But his offer was rejected. Prince Bahman explained that they did not wish to leave their sister. Ask her advice, then, replied the sultan, and tomorrow come and hunt with me and give me your answer. The two princes returned home, but they totally forgot to speak to their sister on the subject. The next morning, when they went to hunt, they met the sultan in the same place, and he inquired what advice their sister had given. The young men looked at each other and blushed. At last Prince Bahman said, Sire, we must throw ourselves on your highness's mercy. Neither my brother nor myself remembered anything about it. Then be sure you do not forget today, answered the sultan, and bring me back your reply tomorrow. When, however, the same thing happened a second time, the sultan drew three little golden balls from his purse and held them out to Prince Bahman, saying, Put these in your bosom, and when you remove your girdle tonight, the noise they will make in falling will remind you of my wishes. It all happened as the sultan had foreseen, and the two brothers appeared in their sister's apartments. Kings do not like to have their offers refused, said the princess. Consult the talking bird, who is wise and far-seeing, and let me hear what he says. The princes must on no account refuse the sultan's proposal, said the bird, and they must invite him to come and see your house. The following morning, when the sultan inquired if they had spoken to their sister and what advice she had given them, Prince Bahman replied that they were ready to agree to his highness's wishes, and that their sister had reproved them for their hesitation about the matter. The sultan received their excuses with great kindness and kept them by his side for the rest of the day to the vexation of the grand vizier and the rest of the court. When the procession entered the gates of the capital, people crowded the streets. Oh, if only the sultan had had sons like that, they murmured. During dinner, whatever topic they might be discussing, the sultan found that the views of the young men were always worth listening to. At the end of the evening, the princes asked leave to return home, and Prince Bahman said, Sire, would you do us the honor of resting for a few minutes at our house? With the utmost pleasure, replied the sultan. You may expect me the day after tomorrow.' 